Okay. Wow, this is weird. This is weird. <laughs> praise the Lord, everybody. Uh, I said praise the Lord, everybody. So real quick, quick lesson. When I say praise the Lord, I'm going to step away just real quick because I might be there the whole time. When I say your hands, I mean get loud because God is good and he deserves We just sang about how he, deserve, how he deserves it. So praise the Lord, everybody. There we go. I am so nervous, first of all, but I'm also so excited to be here. Um, I never take it lightly when I am asked to stand behind the sacred desk. Um, but this is not a desk. This is a, a music stand. But how's everybody doing this morning? Oh, y'all talking back to me. I like that. That makes me feel good. Um, I'm super grateful. Uh, Corey, thanks for the opportunity and uh, allowing me to uh, stand up here and speak. I also would like to uh, give honor to our first lady who is not here in her absence. I'm making sure I say that so she hears it and listen back to it. And I also want to thank my foundation, the Honorable Bishop C. Wayne Brantley, for um, just these, these classes and things that I've taken with him in order to get to where I am today. So today, 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 I'm going to be talking about gratitude. We've been talking about spiritual disciplines for the past few weeks, and we know that spiritual disciplines are things that we are actively trying to do continually to build our faith and our relationship with the Lord. Amen? amen. Lesson number two, when I say amen, you better say it back to me. Amen? Amen. Amen. Because we're going to have some church today. But I believe, and I've been given the opportunity to talk about gratitude this morning, and I believe that we've equated gratitude with a season of well, the season of Thanksgiving, not the season of giving, like being thankful, but literally the holiday of Thanksgiving. But gratitude is something that we, I believe we should practice all throughout our lives and all throughout our walk with the Lord. Um, it seems like the expression of gratitude is becoming lacking in the body of Christ. And I think it's um, important that we understand um, how to actively pursue the attitude of gratitude in times of our off-season. So, to begin, if I'm going to be talking about gratitude, I think it's important that we define gratitude. Amen? Amen. So, gratitude is the quality of being thankful and the readiness to show appreciation for and to return kindness. I'll read it again. Gratitude is... See, y'all gonna get me in trouble up here. Gratitude is the quality of being thankful and the readiness to show appreciation and to return kindness. And I believe the story of Job expresses an interesting view, I'd say, of the attitude of gratitude towards God. Um, and like we all know, context is important. Thank you, Pastor Corey. Um, so let's break down the life of Job according to the scriptures. See, Job was a pretty upright man. He was blameless, the scripture says. Um, in fact, he offered up sacrifices for himself and his family um, like he was supposed to in that time. Um, he had just about everything that anyone could have wanted. Even the scripture says he was about the greatest man in the East. He had about, uh, let me see, uh, what, what's here? It says he had about 10 kids, seven sons, three daughters. He had about uh, over 7,000 sheep. He had about 3,000 camel. He had about 500 yoke of oxen, which means he had two oxen, which means he had about 1,000 oxen. Um, he had 500 donkeys, a wife, a bunch of servants. He had everything anybody could have ever wanted or needed at the time. 
And God allows Job to endure these attacks from the enemy um, in order to bring God glory in the end. Um, but while Job is enduring, like, enjoying all these things that he has, suddenly a messenger comes to him and says, Master, Master Job, while we were here, this group has come into our land and has taken the donkeys and destroyed all the farmland. And Job's like, dang, okay. All right, so while they're discussing that and Job's processing that, another servant comes, and the next servant says, well, Master, Master Job, while we were here, a, a fire has fallen from the heavens and taken out a bunch of the animals and a bunch of the crops. And Job's like, oh, Okay. And then while they're discussing that and, and processing that, another servant comes and says, Master, Master Job, while you, we were here discussing, another, another group has come and raided the fields and destroyed more of our animals and more of the crops. And Job's like, dang, what is happening today? And while that's happening, another messenger comes and says, Job, Master Job, Master Job. While we were here discussing all this, a mighty wind came and hit the four corners of the house where your children were. And the house fell on all of them, and they all died. And I was the only one to come and tell you what happened. In a matter of minutes, Job loses everything. Real quick, how would you feel if everything that you have lived, lived and worked for was taken from you in a matter of minutes or seconds? How would you Respond to God. Well, let's go to Job chapter 1, the 20th verse through the 22nd verse. And let's see what Job does. I still think this is like so cool. At this, Job got up and tore his robe and shaved his head and fell to the ground in worship. And said, naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I will depart. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May, may the name of the Lord be praised. In all this, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. Even in this terrible circumstance, Job still decides to worship. Even through his lament, even through his trial, even through his trouble, he still decides to kneel down on the ground and worship. But his turmoil doesn't stop there though see we find out later within the very next chapter after we find out that job has gone through all this and he's lost so much his health is afflicted and he is afflicted with all these sores and boils from the scriptures say from the crown of his head to the sole of his foot so his entire body was covered he was in so much pain and his his wife is like dude God's just letting all this stuff happen. You should just curse God and die. I'm so glad y'all laughed. Because Job's like, nah, fam, you're talking like the foolish woman. And just like rebukes her. Just like, shush. But later we find out that Job's suffering was so bad that his friends come. And then they see him. And they're like, dang. What are we going to do? We can't talk to him because that's going to make him more upset. 
So when they get there, they sat in silence for seven whole days because they felt talking would grieve him more. And even more, later chapters, we find Job expresses his frustrations to God. He, he goes to God and he's like, God, what's going on? I don't understand. Um, and, and in through chapter 3 and more than chapter 3 because the whole book of Job is like the conversation between him and his friends and then him and God and then him and his, and his friends some more. So it's pretty confusing. But we're, we endure these hard conversations that Job has with God and with his friends. And he has this conversation with his friends, and they accuse him of a plethora of different things. They accuse him of hypocrisy and, and wickedness and, and just saying that he's only going through what he's going through because of sin. But real quick, I want to take a moment. What you're going through, your off-season is not dictated by your sin because actually, if we, first of all, God promises to bless us. So if we were only punished because we sin, we would have nothing because we are sinful people. You ought to say Amen. There we go. See, we're we about to have some church in a minute. Um, and, and we endure this conversation, um, and Job is constantly defending himself, saying, well, I'm an upright man. I'm, I'm blameless. But blameless didn't mean he was sinless. It just meant it was his relationship between other people. He was blameless. He didn't do anybody wrong. And we, find, and we read in the scriptures that Job was so frustrated, so tired, so upset with his problems and his situation, with his off-season even, that he felt that the only hope he had was in him dying. There was some, I'd even say some like suicidal ideation going on with Job, psychology. BA in it. Thank you, Jesus. Malone is over. Glory to God. And Job constantly acknowledges God's power and God's sovereignty, but still in this place of confusion, but humility, discussing with God, conversing with God to fully understand the magnitude and the reasoning to which why he was going through what he was going through. I'd even say that Job was in his off-season and displayed an attitude that all of us have or will have if you haven't yet in this walk with Christ. And I'm sorry if I burst your bubble, but this walk with Jesus is not easy at all. And Job reminds me so much of myself and a huge portion of the body of Christ in which our off-season we completely forget about the full capabilities of what God has done, what he can do, and what he will do through our suffering. Now, don't push me. Don't push me now, because I will preach. And in those times, we all too easily forget about the powerful God who has given us all too much. We have lost sight of the purpose and the will of the Almighty, and our off-season has put us in a place of stagnation. When reading this scripture and studying, I was having a conversation with Graham Pam Porter, um, in her kitchen, and she was talking to me about a lesson she was going to do with the little ones. And it caused me to, like, weigh some options. And one of the options were, what are the good things and what are the bad things? And it's real, real easy for me to lament or to complain or to talk about the bad. And it was really difficult for me to think of the good things that were going on. And I realize how much easier it is to complain instead of be grateful or thankful. Y'all not going to talk back to me. 
So it's so much easier to point out the bad in our lives instead of pointing out the good. And we see this issue in humanity and even in the book of Job when we read, again, chapter 3, all of it was him lamenting and crying out to God about his death, how his death would bring more, more glory than his life. So bothered by his offseason that he wished he was dead, that he wished the trial was over. How many of us have been there to an extent? Amen. So upset with God to the point in which we wonder if any of this crap is all worth it. That'll help somebody. How do you find it in yourself to express gratitude when it seems like your whole world is falling apart? As I defined earlier, there seems to be two parts in the definition of gratitude. So let's go back and look at it. The first part, the quality of being thankful. We see in Job's expression back in chapter 1, when he's worshiping, Job referencing his nakedness is him proclaiming. Can we get that back up there? This wasn't planned. Like, I wasn't going to put it back up there, but I want y'all to see it. So there it is. So Job referencing his nakedness and proclaiming that he didn't have the stuff when he was born and how he won't have it when he dies. So he's saying that the fact that I didn't have it before and the fact that I won't have it now is okay. I say that worship is is a part of telling God thank you. Even in Job's mess, he still made it up in his mind that God was worthy to be praised. In order to fully express the thankful part of gratitude, you must first look back and think about where God has brought you from in order to fully appreciate where he's going to take you. See, Job had to take a real quick walk down memory lane and think about the fact that God had him before he had his kids and before he had the, the, the don't, don't do that, and before he had the, the, the ox and the camels and the sheep and, and how God will keep him while he doesn't have it and he understands that in the end, God will still be praised. You ought to clap your hands and glorify God there. So thank him despite what my situation looks like. Thanking him despite my off-season. What are you thanking him for? So the next part of the definition of gratitude says the readiness to show appreciation for and to return kindness. Now, when I read this, I was like, God, how can I return kindness to you when you're God? You have everything. What am I going to give you? Like, I can't give you much, but I can give you my worship. Y'all not going to help me in here. But I can also give you my trust. I can give you my trust. See, many of us associate gratitude with just saying you. Just saying thank you to someone who has helped you or who has given you a gift But gratitude is not just saying thank you. See, gratitude is only expressed when what's obtained was not deserved. And I read somewhere that if we acquire a good by exchange or effort or by right, we therefore do not experience 
gratitude. I'll read that one more time. If we acquire a good through exchange or effort or achievement or by right, we therefore do not experience gratitude. We express gratitude in response to receiving something which was undeserved and it was good. And this reminds me of something Job says when he comes to the realization that his situation could result in his death, but it doesn't. So let's go real quick to Job chapter 13 and verse, verse 15. Though he slay me, yet, hmm, yet, yet will I hope in him. I will surely defend my ways to his face. I'm going to read it again. Though he slay me, Yet will I, my, my King James Version says, trust. Yet will I trust in him. Here we find at this point, Job has argued with his friends for long enough. And Job's like, look, all right, y'all. I could die, but I still trust him. But I'm going to talk to him because I don't understand what this is about. God, I trust you. Y'all not hearing me. I'll trust you. I don't know what this means or what's going on. I could die in this thing, but I trust you. And I'm going to talk to you about it because I really don't understand what's going on. The man of God last week talked about prayer. God, I don't understand this, but I'm going to talk to you about it because I trust you. And I could die, but I trust you. So I'm going to come to you anyhow, and we're going to work this thing out. Here, we find that Job expresses even through, the, though the fact that God could take him out, and he hasn't yet, so therefore I will trust or hope in him, knowing that God is good, and he'll always be good. Stephanie Gransinger said he's been good since the Garden of Eden and before then, um, and, and, and that just hit me so much. And his goodness and grace has kept me and will continually keep me, even when I'm undeserving. So I'll thank you, and I'll trust you. Gratitude towards God is the posture of humility to trust God, trusting that by his grace, he'll hold you and keep you to the end of your off-season. Hey, Shannon, John, can I use you guys real quick? Give God praise for them. So, John, John here is in his off-season, and John's working out. John is about to do some squats. So, you're going to sweat, and I'm thirsty. So, John, John's going to do some squats. Yeah. And while he's squatting, he doesn't know that his trainer <coughs> is behind him, pushing him. And encourage him. Push him and encourage him, Shannon. <laughs> so, if he's going hard in his off season, he has to trust that she's there. Now, while she's pushing him to do more, he might not want to say thank you. That's not going to help y'all. He might not want to say thank you, but he has the trust that she's there. Because the moment that he gets ready to drop it, grace grabs him. 
You didn't have to earn it, nor did you do anything to get it. It's just there. It's just there holding you up. And I hear my grandmother, I hear my grandmother quoting Psalms 23, and it says, Surely goodness and mercy, a.k.a. grace and mercy, is following me all the days of my life. Gratitude towards God is a posture of humility and trust to God, trusting that by his grace he'll keep you. And I heard the Apostle Paul saying in 2 in Corinthians 12 and 9, but he said to me, my grace, oh, y'all ain't helping me in here. My grace is sufficient enough. See, my grace will hold you in your off season. My grace will hold you to your in season. And if you're ready for it, he will bring, oh, y'all not going to talk back to me in here. I will trust you even when I am uncertain about what's coming up next. God, I trust you. Y'all go ahead and give God praise because he's worthy, isn't he? He's worthy if you trust him. What are you trusting God for? What are you trusting God for? See, we are pressing toward the prize, right? Right? Amen? We're pressing toward the mark, right? But some of us need some additional, additional encouragement. So let's real quick jump to the, the end of the book of Job. This is my favorite part right here, right here. The Lord blessed the latter part of Job's life more than the former. He had 14,000 sheep. Oh, that's a lot. 6,000 camels and 1,000 yoke of oxen and 1,000 donkeys. And it reads on, the ladder. I heard somebody say, your ladder will be greater than your former or your, your past. Your ladder will be. I've come to remind some of you that your end season is about to be crazy. But your off season, in a way, dictates your future. So how you respond now will determine what happens in your next. Y'all not going to go there with me because it's the end of my notes. And I could sit down if I wanted to, but I'm not because I'm going to push this point. Your now dictates your future. How you respond in your off season will determine what happens in your in or on season. Because in the off season, you have to go harder. In the off season, you have to forget about what's, all, what's going on around you and, and press. Because what you don't realize is that your, how you work out in your off season is getting you ready to go harder in your end season. Y'all not there. Y'all not there. It's okay. It's okay. I should just take my seat, but I'm not. Um, so, and I'm just going to preach off the dome because I really want you to get this point. See, the first point is you got to thank him. Thank him for where... I'm for real. Like, I'm not kidding. Like, you have to thank him. Y'all think I'm joking with this thing? No, I'm not. So you have to thank him first where you are. Thank him where you are. Thank him for where, where he's got you from. And then thank him for where you're going. Because you trust him where you are. And you trust him before. And you're going to trust him where he's going to take you. Oh, y'all not there yet. I'm going to say it again. You're going to thank him from before. Sometimes you just have to take a real quick look back 
on where he's brought you from. I heard my grandma say, if it had not been for the Lord who was on my side, the enemy would have come up upon me and eaten up my flesh. But thanks be to God who gives me the victory. When I look back over my life and I think things over, I can truly say that I've been blessed. If it had not been for God who held me in the time, in the dark times, I don't know where I would be now. So I thank him now. And I'll thank him later because of what he's done before. See, my off-season lasted, I say, about two years. Two years. I say from junior year of college through, I say, actually the week of graduation, finances were terrible. Friends were flaky. Help me, Holy Ghost. <laughs> Friends were flaky. <clears throat> and it seemed like everything I tried, it seemed like everything I touched was falling apart. And I had got to the point where I remember having a conversation with my mother. And she was like, well, Ryan, go pray. And to give you insight on how upset I was, I was sitting in the lobby of Haviland Hall. And I had my, my RA keys and I threw them across the room. And I said, Mom, I'm not praying because I'm sick of asking God for stuff because everything I ask him for, he takes away. So what am I going to pray to him for? But even in that time, in the back of my head, I was like, God, you held me before I got here. I want all these things. I'm asking you for all these things, praying for all these things. Clearly, it's not your will that I have them now, so I'm going to thank you anyway. And I'm going to trust that if it's your will that I have those things, that I will in the end. So I thank you now, and I trust you. For my ladder. And in praying and seeking, like, it got real, real bad, like, the week of graduation. See, the week of graduation, um, in my head, I had a job. It was lined up. And because I had a job, I was going to save up, which therefore in my head meant I had a car. And then I had conversations with people, and I had a place to stay. And in that time, I say within a week, Monday I got an email. They told me, hey, not yet, not yet. So in my head, no job meant no money, meant no car. And then Tuesday, the people I was going to be staying with. Now, for a college student, a job and a car and a place to stay was like, whew. Like I had reached the like gold pot at the end of the rainbow. Like I was like so excited and happy. And soon after that, I got a call. And they were like, yo. This is bad timing, man. You got to find somewhere else to stay. And I was like, God, Joe, bro, what's up? What did I do? I'm leading the gospel choir. I'm singing at Third Street. I read my Bible. Like, I'm trying to be the best person I can be, and everything falls apart. And I remember hearing audibly, trust me. So... I sent out a text, a very angry text, but I don't think Corey knew it was angry. But I texted Corey, and I was like, dude, what do you want me to do? Like, you keep trying to tell me what to do. What do you want me to do? Like, I'm sick of this. Like, every, like I don't understand. And he says, call this individual. But I don't like talking to people because I'm an introvert, so I send that person a text. <laughs> I'm super introverted. I don't think you guys understand how, how scared I am right now that you all are looking at me. Um, but I sent them a text. God bless you. And... They said, and I'm, I sent them a text asking about living. 
can I stay with you guys? They're like, yeah, sure. I was like, oh, okay. And then having those conversations, I had a conversation with an individual and, and about my car. And I'm just going to say this. It's mine and I didn't have to pay for it yet. And that individual is in here, and I'm just going to say it out loud. Thank you. I'm going to express my gratitude. I'm going to get choked up <clears throat> to them because if it had not been for God in the way that I trusted God and thanked him in my situation. See, I told you I'd cry. So God is there. God hears you. And God is waiting for you to thank him and to trust him because in your off season, your in season is about to be off the chain. But you have to step up and give God praise in your situation now. <clears throat> so, this morning, this is me closing. JD, guys, if you guys are ready, you guys can go for it. I'm also going to, like, stall because, like, it sounds really cool when they play stuff and you talk. So, like, I'm wait. That's never happened before. Like, in the sanctified church, there's, like, an organ or something. And I'm like, ah, and I don't want to do that right now. But this morning, there's something about gratitude that sticks in our minds when we write things down. That's what people keep Gratitude journals and things like that. <laughs> Amen. I'm glad that touched you. So, this morning, before we take communion, or even during, while we take communion, there's some papers up here. It was such a hassle to get these papers. Because I'm awkward, and, like, I didn't know how many I needed, so. But, yeah. They're supposed to be third sheet colors, but this is the wrong blue. Office Max, blame them. But we're going to come up here. Yellow. On the yellow piece of paper, there's markers. They're supposed to be pens. They're mechanical pencils. I was in a panic when I bought them. Um, yellow. I want you to write down the things that you are thankful for. But here's the catch. Be thankful for the good things and the bad things. I heard the psalmist say, I will bless the Lord at all times, all, and his praise shall continually, that continually and that all doesn't mean sometimes, it means all the time. So write down the things you are thankful for, write them down on however you would like to write them down, whether you want to fill up the entire page or you want to write them really tiny, it's completely up to you, and it might get really messy up here, but just lay them at the feet of Jesus. The blue, the blue is the things that you are trusting God for. The things you are trusting God for. That could be the things that you are currently experiencing now that you need out of. It could be the thing that you need God to do in your ladder. And it could even be something you want God to do for somebody else. What are the things you are trusting God for. Today, 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 there will be communion served as well. The little wafer thing. 
represents the body broken for us. The body that was bruised for our transgressions and our iniquities. The juice, the little cup thingy, represents the blood that was shed to wash us white as snow. The blood that needed to be shed to forgive us for our sins. And there will be people up here for prayer. I'm going to ask Pastor Corey to come up. Pastor Nate and Courtney. The man of God, Eddie, and his wife will be in the back like, like they always are doing what God has always called them to do. I'm super grateful for them. I love them so much. I'm also going to have, I'm trying to look and see who's out here. Dilu and Holly, I would love for you two to come up and pray with people. And take your time up here. Don't feel like we're pressed. To be real with you, that, those plans that you got after church, forget about those. Get what you need to get now. You are free. Noah, I'm going to pray first. And after I pray, I'm going to move out the way, and you are free to respond. Link up with the person next to you. Grab, on, grab hold to somebody. All heads bowed. Dear kind and gracious Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this opportunity. We thank you for loving us and keeping us. We thank you for our off season. We thank you for the good and the bad that has happened in our lives, God. We thank you, even if we don't really want to, God, we understand what it brings and what it births out. So, God, we thank you for the things that went on behind closed doors because it molded us into it, to the individual that we are today. So, God, we thank you. God, we also trust you. Lord, in your word, it says that you will never leave us nor forsake us. So, God, we were trusting that you are with us through our off season and God we know that you will be with us in our in season so God we trust you for everything the small things the big things the things we don't want the person sitting next to us to know about we trust you and we know your word is true so we believe and we know that we will come out victorious Lord while I'm praying I just get the vision of the children of Israel and how when they went into battle, they had not even seen their enemy yet. And when they prayed, they said, God, who do we send first? And you told them, send Judah. Judah means praise. So, God, we, we send our praise to you, proclaiming victory against an enemy that we have not even seen. And we declare that we will come out because your word has already said it. And we believe it. Lord, have your way in our lives. Touch us like never before and use us for your glory as vessels willing and ready to be used. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. You are free to respond.